out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway from 6th and Peabody with Eob here and Old Smoky Moonshine across the vast Outkick network, including YouTube. We hope you'll subscribe to the channel while you're there. You can catch all the great shows throughout Outkick there and at Outkick.com. Like the post, share, all of it. We appreciate you and uh, the other hosts do as well. Chad, a big show today. John Ireland, the voice, the radio voice of the Los Angeles Lakers will join us. That's coming up in 20 minutes on a game day where they can eliminate the Golden State Warriors. We will chat about that and much more going on with the Lakers. That's straight ahead. Bobby Carpenter and Clay Travis still to come throughout the show today as well. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited about today's lineup. Yeah. Excited about every day. Yeah, but Bob Huggins is not being uh, let go. He's excited also. But yet, are you excited that one of your favorite shows is going off the air? I am excited Ted about Lasso, it right? because Ted Lasso has become borderline unwatchable in season three. I teased this yesterday, but I want to get into it today. After now being completely caught up on the last season of Ted Lasso, and thank God it's the last season. This is a program that went from being very enjoyable and a great story in season one to almost unwatchable in season three. And here is the reason why it has become unwatchable. Because it's as if the creators of the show tuned in to the outer recesses of Twitter, of Hollywood Twitter, and they looked at the complaints about a lack of LGBTQ representation and said, let's just lean into that in the final season. They went from a show that was a feel-good story about a character that was completely against it, that was out of his element, that was coaching a sport he knew nothing about, and was a good comedy where you felt good after every episode and did have a good message. And they turned it into what I could best describe as a weekly after-school special that is extremely cheesy. I don't like things that are forced. There are storylines on the show now in season three that are completely forced. It truly is like the one note that the creators received for season three was, we like what you're, you're doing, but need more LGBTQ this season. Let's make sure to force that in there, whether it needs to be in there or not. Let's also force a storyline where one of the players is in a Twitter spat with the conservative prime minister of England for one episode, for no reason at all. It is very clear when you can watch something and see an agenda behind it. And I see that all the time with Hollywood productions. There is a Hollywood agenda behind Ted Lasso. And I don't necessarily care if the end product is good. Here's what we got to get back to, and I'm consistent with this with everything. Let's be good and not be about saying something all the time. Make sure your entertainment product is good before you're sending a message out. The good is more important than whatever it is you have to say. And Ted Lasso is trying to say about 15 different things in the final season. And the one thing it's not saying is entertaining. It sucks. And I am forcefully watching it every week to make sure I can get to the end in hopes that it has some sort of good resolution. And I'm not optimistic, Hutton, right now because it looks like it's going to be terrible. Well, and just tying in to, you know, you've got the script versus real life and what's going on with Bob Huggins and West Virginia where he's not getting fired. Um, we had the, the report earlier today where 
your Pete Thamel is saying that, hey, Huggins, is, his salary is going to be reduced by a million dollars per season. He's going to undergo sensitivity training, and he will receive what, what Thamel called, quote, a significant suspension. Well, the first two things are true. The university is reducing his salary from like 4.2 to 3.2 million per season. His contract is now year to year. He is going to um, be forced to attend sensitivity training. The money that he would have earned per season on the contract is going to foundations for LGBTQ+. And meanwhile, the significant suspension element of this is three games, Chad? Is that what we've learned since Thamel's report? Three games? Yeah, this is from E. Gordon Gee, the president of West Virginia. The, um, the suspension is going to be for three games. Everything else you laid out, Hutton, but that significant suspension is, is three games. That part of it shocks me. Look, I'm surprised that he is still employed. But when I saw a significant suspension, I'm thinking, okay, this is a way to placate uh, special interest groups that are going to be after, quite frankly, West Virginia – and Bob Huggins, and he opened the door for this. What he said was completely stupid, yeah. and it's inexcusable, and it's dumb. And this is on the flip side of what I'm talking about with, with Ted Lasso. He deserves to be penalized harshly for this. I'm surprised he's not fired. Not saying he absolutely should be fired. But when I see significant suspension in what's being reported by Pete Thamel, I think it's more than three games. Three games this last year, by the way, for West Virginia – would have included games against Bowling Green, Mount St. Mary's, and Pittsburgh. That significant? I thought significant, Hutton, would be the entire non-conference slate, 12 to 15 games, maybe 20, and that would be an attempt to placate everyone to where the story would almost go away by the time he's back in coaching and he'd miss a significant amount of time. But according to West Virginia... It's going to be three games. And to quote Pac-Man Jones, that's just how it is in West Virginia, I guess. That's just how it is in West Virginia. So is this a sign that they're not going to, moving forward, people are going to point to people, uh, uh, athletic departments will point to what West Virginia did and say, hey, we, we don't have to act the way that other universities have in, re, in automatically removing a coach or removing a player. Um, is this similar to what we saw in the reaction to Alabama this past basketball season? It's the opposite of what we saw Texas do with their basketball program, although Chris Beard is right back into coaching. So, I mean, I, maybe we should have expected this, maybe not. I'm surprised, like you are, though, that we didn't see the immediate reaction to the live radio interview where, I mean, he doubles down on it. He says it twice, and he's speaking directly to Xavier in doing that. That's the big surprise. I, I thought he we didn't fired. take the stance that he should be fired. We didn't want him automatically fired within hours. We thought that would be the case based on just the landscape of athletics. And that hasn't been the case. I'm surprised. And not just athletics. I mean, I think any position of power. Like if you, especially if you're in a position to influence others and you are the head of something. Well, Bob Huggins is the head of the basketball program. Depending on what you say, you can get elected for saying things like that. At West Virginia. Give me an example of what you're talking about. What did Trump say before he got elected? Grab women by the what? Yeah. Now, but again, we're talking apples and oranges. But I mean, like, Trump said this while he was mic'd up before an interview to yeah. someone else while the guy was laughing. I know. Um, 
And the you, media ran with it. Yeah. Point being, I've well, just the, seen... Well, the media... But that didn't stop the media from wanting him to be out of the election. <laughs> but... And, it, and for that to happen, like, this has been pretty mute, I well, think, in response to all this, right? But, I the just, same, but the same media crew, crews, are ousting Tom Brenneman before he can get off the air calling a home I, run. Exactly. And it's... That's I, why I say athletics and not the other landscapes. Well, I, look, I think if a CEO of a company, of any company went on a, an interview, went on NPR, and said Catholic bleeps, uh, they would not be the CEO of that company any longer. Politics is different because any idiot can get elected, quite frankly, and they can't really vote you out. But I think if you're the head of a business or you're the head of a, a television network or a movie studio or almost any other major program or sports team in America, and you said that on a live interview, not once but twice – I'm having a hard time finding the institutions well, that would keep you employed. But I, I, it, I, I think it's time and place. Tom Brennan's a great example. Who it is. Dana White can get away with saying anything he wants to on a live interview. Press conferences. I've, I've, they've used this word in press conferences before by their fighters talking up, talking up, talking up pay-per-view sales. Um, so, I mean, there is a, another example of this where But Brenneman's Dana White fired. can't get fired. Brennan's fired, but he's the head of a company. Yeah, but he can't get fired. Like, you can get voted out if you're a publicly held shareholder. Vince can vote McMahon. You Vince McMahon is now with yeah, Endeavor. I, but Same again, as you're, Dana White. Well, Hutton, we're, you're pointing to like the 2% of people I'm using that are going to do it. I'm using examples where we normally don't see it, and West Virginia just did it yeah, with a three-game suspension. I, I think we're mostly agreeing. I, that's why I'm surprised that it's happened. I mean, you're surprised he wasn't fired, right? Absolutely. And, and that's what sparked our conversation is across the athletics landscape, I'm surprised. Yeah, I just don't even look at his athletics, though. I think in any in – any, I mean, I just got done talking about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is responding to the fringe elements on Twitter right. that are pissed off at Ted Lasso for not featuring gay characters after two seasons. So what do they do? They turn their entire show into an after-school special – Featuring forced gay storylines on season three. Yeah, with no that, slurs. That is what America has become. And if uh, the head of Apple or the head of the Apple TV division or the head of Sony or the head of Warner Brothers went into an interview and said these Catholic okay. homophobic slurs, I think they would be canceled and removed quickly. Back, and I think almost any other program would do the same. Back to That's the why West Virginia is the outlier. Though, back to the original question, though. Is this now something that we will see moving forward where universities will use West Virginia and their punishment as the example? What is going to be the backlash over the next 24 hours to this? Because in today's Hollywood, they're not making the hangover. Yeah. And that was 10 years ago. That's not 30 years ago. And you could page a doctor in that using the same word that Bob Huggins just used. I, I agree. And I think West Virginia is about as far away from Hollywood as you can get. But, uh, and that's my but, point of why West Virginia so, is probably just different. But in the, in the athletics landscape, I'm, just, I'm curious where it goes from the media coverage. I, I think that... Because the athletics you, landscape has been forced to talk politics now for over a decade when people look for an escape. Yeah, I and West think Virginia you, is turning the... They're just looking back and saying, hey, we're going to fine them a million dollars per season. I don't know how much time it was 69 years old. I don't know how much he had left on his on his contract to begin with. That's the other if it's year to year now, what does that mean? Was it a 10-year contract and he's now year to year? Um, and and honestly, what type of punishment is that given the fact that he's still employed and going to his 17th season with the university? I, I, if it's year I, to it's, year, they're bringing him back if they're bringing him back now. It's important to note that 
excuse me. It's important to note that what Twitter cares about and what people who protest things oftentimes care right. about or people who want to boycott things care about is different from what sports fans care about. I've heard from some West Virginia fans. They all love Bob Huggins. They, they love a Hall him. a Hall of Fame coach. And they, they still love him. So this to me is West Virginia saying, not that we don't care because they're doing something, but we don't care enough because the people who really matter to us don't really care. And they're but, not going to let this bother them if he continues to coach the team a certain way. Well, here's That's the other, what they're saying. Here's the other layer to it. I want to know what happened to the hosts. That's a good. I, I thought all along Huggins we haven't gonna heard keep his job for saying the word, but then uh, there are others. Oh, he tried. The host, br- you know, laid the foundation for this to happen. Get out of here with that. So you brought up the Trump example. Yeah, Billy Bush was the only one to lose his job. I know, and I, and he laughed off camera at one of his guests that he was about to have on the show, and he loses his gig. So is anything going to happen to them? I, I well, yeah. that's a question we asked in the in the real time though, because that's. Well, you know, I you're just, so pissed off at someone that you punish the other person that was in the room because the other person's Bob Huggins. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know where this all goes because I think that if you're Alabama as an example with Nate Oates, if you're entrenched enough and love someone enough, you can excuse and forgive almost anything. And you can come up with an excuse to do something that's very light to them. Yes. Based on anything that they've done. So I think in sports, maybe that is one of the last bastions where you can get away with that outside of other levels of entertainment and forgive whatever you want. But I still believe firmly that West Virginia is maybe, it's probably one of the few programs we'd have gotten away with that. If he did that at Notre Dame, let's say, I think he's fired. Or if he Regardless talks about, of his success. Or if he talks about another program other than Xavier and Catholics. Yeah. I mean, that's the other part of this story. It's a big part of it. Well, he's also being forced to donate a large chunk of money to Xavier University yeah. as part of this. We've had a, a great NBA playoffs thus far, and the Lakers uh, have been on fire. Really, they caught fire whenever they got healthy. But in the postseason, things really picked up when Dylan Brooks ran his mouth. And since then, they've won their series over Memphis and now they have a 3-1 series lead over the Warriors, tipping off later this evening with a chance to close them out. The voice of the Lakers, John Ireland, he joins us next on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hunting Withrow for Hot Mike. We say hello to John Ireland, the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers. John, great to have you on the show, man. And, uh, man, the Lakers here, based on what I saw in the regular season to the postseason, I know they got healthy, but what a run they're on. Well, Jonathan, the big reason is the trade deadline. They, they basically blew up the team at the trade deadline. That hardly ever works right away. But we have LeBron and AD, and when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and you put them around the right other people, you can kind of get lightning in a bottle, and that's what they've got now. Although i got to tell you guys that I'm in the minority, at least out here on the West Coast. I don't think this series is over. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to believe that the Warriors are dead until – you guys remember the Wizard of Oz in that movie where the 
the house lands on top of the witch and the, the guys come out and give her an actual death certificate until I see the death certificate on the Warriors. Uh, I'm not going to relax, but the Lakers look good. They're up three, one, and we've got game four here in San Francisco or game five uh, here in San Francisco tonight. There are some things that are just unexplainable in sports. Um, Chad and I had a discussion about the yips in baseball yesterday, but with Anthony Davis, yeah. the hot one night cold, the next um, or the passive play the next, I should say. What is that? Can you explain the reasoning for why we see that back and forth? And I know in this series, it's been a lot better than the previous one. Yeah, I can try. Um, <laughs> the What I think happens, especially in a playoff series, because if you look at AD during the season, he was more consistent. But in a playoff series, what will happen and if you're following this stuff, guys, you'll notice that the odd-numbered games have been the ones that he's gone off. And the even-numbered games have been the ones where he's struggled. Uh, what I think happens is, like, let's say game one. He comes out, and you can't believe that a guy that's 6'11 can do the stuff that he does. Um, I, I'm not sure if this is common knowledge, but I'll, I'll just tell this story for your audience. When he was a sophomore in high school in Chicago, he was 6'1". He grew 10 inches between his sophomore year of high school and his freshman year at Kentucky. So AD grew up a guard. So you throw him the ball, all of a sudden you see this guy getting rebounds and bringing the ball down the court and dribbling behind his back and switching on to guards. And, you know, he just, he can guard all five positions. He's, he's kind of a unicorn in that way. So you'll play him in game one, he'll come out, he'll put up huge numbers. Then the other team goes back and looks at the tape and they say, okay, we can't let him do A, B, and C. And they make their whole defensive game plan around AD. So his numbers go way down. And then the Lakers adjust back in game three, and he goes back up. So, Jonathan, that's the best example I can give you. Uh, if Shaq was on this call with us, he would say, that shouldn't happen. Great players adjust to whatever the other team does to him, blah, blah, blah. But that's what I think is happening to AD offensively. Now, defensively, guys, he's controlling every game. That's the thing that he doesn't get credit for. You know, he has more blocks in this postseason than three of the teams that are still left. Um, and he controls the paint every single game. And so defensively, he blocks four or five shots every game and alters seven or eight more. So that's the thing that he probably doesn't get enough credit for is that defensively he might be the best defender in the league. LA Ireland is where you can find John Ireland, the voice of the Lakers on social. How big of a gift package will the Lakers players be giving Dylan Brooks if they go on <laughs> to win an NBA title based on the motivation that he provided after game one of that series? Yeah, I didn't get that one, Chad. I, I, I thought that, you know, he says, Dylan Brooks says he likes to poke bears. But, I mean, you guys have been doing this for a while. You know that normally when a guy does that, he has the game to back it up. Dylan Brooks was just running his mouth without the game to back it up. And I thought, well, if he goes out and tries to shoot a lot, that's good for the Lakers. If he goes and tries to take LeBron one-on-one, -on -one, that's good for the Lakers. I, it just surprised me that that's the spot he picked. And that's the guy he picked to kind of poke. Um, but it, it looks like it's going to have long-term ramifications for him. I guess the Grizzlies have said they're not going to bring him back. It'll probably cost him a little money when he goes to his next team. Uh, but it, it surprised me. LeBron said that he really doesn't get into those games. and It doesn't matter. But trust me, LeBron's a basketball savant. He hears everything and uses everything he can as a motivator. So I think it, let's just say I think it mattered a little in that Memphis series. Well, and I, 
I'm curious, like, as you're flying back to L.A. from Memphis after all these comments, did you know the series was done at that point? That it, it wasn't just LeBron that woke up. Like, the team woke up and just beat the crap out of them. Right. Well, one thing, Jonathan, about that series that I think opened the eyes of a lot of people nationally is that in six games, we had five different leading scorers. One game, it was Austin Reeves. One game, it was Rui Hachimura. One game, it was D'Angelo Russell. One game, it was LeBron. And then the, um, the other game was AD. Um, and so all of a sudden, you look at the Lakers, and before the trade deadline, you basically just had to guard LeBron and AD, and that's it, and not worry about anybody else. Now we've got some other guys you need to worry about. And if you leave Hachimura wide open, if you leave Russell wide open, if you leave Reeves wide open, these guys can hurt you. It kind of reminds me, you guys are a little younger than me, but it kind of reminds me of the, of the Shaq and Kobe years yeah. where all of a sudden people were saying, well, how are, are the Lakers winning the title every year with Rick Fox and Derek Fisher and Robert Ory? None of those guys are all-stars. Well, they were wide open, you know, because Shaq and Kobe got double teamed. And so you're seeing a repeat of that now. LeBron and AD get double teamed. Guys like Reeves, Hachimura, and Russell, all three who weren't playing very much before the trade deadline. Well, Russell and Hachimura weren't even on our team. Uh, now they are. And now when those guys are open, they're making a big difference. And most recently, Lonnie Walker steps up in a fourth right. quarter. Another example, if you're going to go on a championship run, it's going to take role players like that stepping up. And that's what we saw in the latest game. Well, you know, and the, the great thing about him, Chad, is he never changed from the time he was starting earlier in the season, then he got hurt. And so he fell out of the rotation. But the Lakers have a, a crew of guys that they call the stay ready crew. This is something Darvin Ham brought with him for when he was a player. And basically, so we get sent, the guys that are in the travel party like me, we get sent agendas for every trip. So right now we're in San Francisco. And so the agenda will say, okay, if you, if you played more than 30 minutes the night before, we want you to rest. Uh, stay ready crew, your bus leaves at two o'clock. And so these guys that call themselves the stay ready crew, one of which is Lonnie Walker, have been going to all these games and practicing, you know, for two hours before the game starts. And that guy's body language never changed. His attitude never changed. His demeanor never changed. And we interviewed him after the game the other night. And I said, well, you know, didn't you get frustrated when you weren't getting your number called when you weren't playing. And he said, I don't know why, but I knew one day they'd call my name. And my, my whole job was just to stay ready. So he's a great, so he's only 24, only went to college for one year, kind of got lost in the system in San Antonio. And I wouldn't be surprised guys if he, if Lonnie plays a lot tonight, just based on what he did the other night, I think I could see him playing 20 plus minutes tonight. John Ireland with us, the voice of the Lakers for their radio broadcast team. So uh, not to get ahead of ourselves here, John, I know you think, the Warriors extend the series or have a great chance to. Yeah. But we won't have the chance to chat with you probably until the Lakers advance, if they do. Better matchup for them, Denver or Phoenix? Probably. Their, their answer, uh, Jonathan, would be we'll take whoever we get. Right. They wouldn't They wouldn't answer that question just because they don't want to give the other team any bulletin board material. I My guess would be they'd rather play Denver. Um, Phoenix has kind of had our number. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are two guys we don't have a lot of matchups for, but AD can give Jokic trouble. Uh, AD is so good defensively that I think he can give 
Jokic a real battle, which would turn the game into Jamal Murray and Michael Porter against LeBron. And I think our chances are a little better, but that's just my opinion. The coaching staff might give you a different one. I LeBron um, doesn't really get scared of anybody, but Booker and Durant have the ability to take a game over by themselves. So does Jokic. But at least in the case of Jokic, we have somebody that matches up with them defensively. Does that answer your question, or did I kind of duck it? I, no, I, 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 I like I, the I like the answer because I think Denver, as the one seed, I don't know. They should feel pressure based on their roster. I don't know if they do because I'm focused more on this series, and I was focused more on previous series against the Kings and the Grizzlies than I was Denver. And I, I think, based on the pressure, when you're facing L.A., I think many people think the Nuggets won't live up to it. Well, the other thing is that we played them the year we won the title in the bubble. We played them in the Western Conference Finals, and it's a lot of the same guys. Yeah. Um, strangely, KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, was on our team that year, and now he's starting for them. But they know KCP, and they know Denver because they played him in those finals, and they beat him in five games. The series was closer than that. Anthony Davis hit a three when they were down two at the buzzer in one of those games, and it kind of broke the back of the Nuggets. But I think it would be a good series. Um, strangely, guys, the Lakers have gone on this run, and they won't have home court at any point in the playoffs. They have the fewest amount of wins left of the eight teams that are left. We only won 43 games. Even the Heat, if we play the Heat in the finals, they're the eight seed and we're the seven seed, but they base that on number of wins, and they won 44 games and we won 43. So if we're going to win it, we've got to do it without home court advantage. And, um, and and they beat Denver twice during the season. So I think they have a good feel for what the Nuggets would bring. But um, Darvin Ham has a way of, of just beating these guys over the head to stay humble in victory. That's a phrase of his that he throws around a lot. So if he heard them, well, let's put it this way, Jonathan. If you ask the question you asked me to one of the Laker players and they answered it, they would get their hand slapped. They wouldn't <laughs> like it that they were, that they were talking sure. about a team – that we haven't actually earned the right to play yet. Um, but since we're in sports radio, it's fun for us to kick it around. Um, just personally, I think they match up better against Denver, but but who knows? It, and they're not going to have home court whether we play the Suns or the Nuggets. So neither one of those series would be easy. John, I'm probably in the minority here, but I've always preferred the NBA for having fewer big upsets in the playoffs as opposed to the NHL where it is wide open once you get into the playoffs. Right. You've seen a lot fewer eight seeds over one seeds, as an example, in the NBA playoffs. But now we have a year where there's a very real possibility we will see an eight seed take on a seven seed in the NBA Finals with the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. What does that say for this season in the NBA, and is that a good thing overall? It's not, Chad, and here's why. I think it says that the regular season has become less important. Um, all of these teams load manage, uh, both LeBron and AD missed a ton of games this year that if they would have been playoff games, I think they might've played in. Um, and every team's doing that. Jimmy Butler sat a ton of games this year. You look at the Warriors, Clay, Steph, Draymond, especially Wiggins all sat a ton of games. So then I, I think the end result is, is what you phrased in your question. We got these seven seeds and eight seeds that are playing like one and two seeds. And you say, how is that possible? Well, because they didn't care in the regular season 
to play guys that were banged up. We we didn't play AD in second games of back to backs until the very end of the year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, that you know, the Clippers play across town from us. They load manage almost to a fault. I mean, they they'll sit guys if they come in and say I'm tired. Um, and I I think the NBA. I, I've worked with the NBA for more than 25 years. I think the NBA knows it. I think you're going to see them start to deal with it in subtle ways. Um, next year, they're already talking about not letting players win year-end awards. The all-NBA teams come out today, and you're going to have to play, I think they settled on 58 games if you want to be a member of an all-NBA team. And the reason that matters, like you might be saying if you're out there listening, well, these, these players don't care about awards. They all make $40 million a year. Let me use Jalen Brown as an example. If Jalen Brown makes an all-NBA team today, and I think he will, I think he'll be third-team all-NBA, but I could be wrong, he's eligible to make like $70 million more in his next contract. It means something to him. So I think until the NBA gets ahead of this load management thing, Chad, you're going to see more of what you outlined in your question, more seven seeds, more eight seeds, more, more teams like that showing up in the playoffs, and you'll say, how did the eight seed just knock out the one? Well, it's because they didn't play anybody during the regular season. They sat, they sat all, that, that wasn't their team. That was the Heat team you saw for most of the season were resting guys to get ready for this. And now they're healthy. And now they're, they're showing teams what they can do. So I think that's the answer to your question. Well, that's a terrific point. John Ireland is the radio voice of the Los Angeles Lakers on with us right now on Hot Mike. Is there a palpable buzz around Bronny James staying in L.A. to play at USC with the possibility of teaming up with his dad with the Lakers at some point? I don't think people have put those dots together yet. Um, but Oh, we just lost his connection, I think. he just got I zapped. think he was trying to do something with, with, his <laughs> with a Zoom and then uh, knocked himself off. I think we definitely know that there's a, there's a buzz with USC versus UCLA. And by the way, John went to UCLA. That's the other, <laughs> that's the other thing, too, is uh, if you're talking uh, college hoops, he's choosing USC. John, you got us back? Yeah, sorry about that, It's all guys. good. It's all um, good. So, no. Yeah, that was Raymond Ritter, the PR director for the Warriors, calling me, and I tried to hang up on him, <laughs> but instead I hung up on you. That, uh, that just, you've got to be smarter than the iPad, and I'm not. It's like, we're, we're, we're honored you hung up on him, so thank you for doing <laughs> yeah, that. The, the, he, well, he's the best PR guy in the league. So, so uh, We're even more honored he'll, now. He'll thank forgive you. me. <laughs> yes. yeah, he'll forgive me. Um, but um, you asked me about Bronny James. Um, the, the excitement is that you're going to be able to next – L.A. is a star-driven town. You guys know that. I know you've both been out here. So if you've got stars on your team, people will go see you play. USC plays in the state-of-the-art arena called a, the uh, Galen Center right off the, the freeway on the USC campus. And so now all of a sudden, people are going to go to USC basketball games when everybody has only gone to USC football games over the years. And uh, Dennis Rodman's son, DJ, announced he's going to go to USC next year too. So it gives people another thing to watch in L.A., I don't think they've connected the dots that you asked me about, Chad, that LeBron is going to um, necessarily play with Bronny on the Lakers. Bronny would probably get drafted before the Lakers had a pick. Um, but LeBron has said, don't, don't put the cart ahead of the horse. Let his son go to college. I mean, he's, he's very proud that his son is the first person in the, in the James family to actually go to school. LeBron didn't go to college. Savannah's wife didn't go. LeBron's mom, Gloria, didn't go. So they're, they're excited that Bronny is actually going to be the first guy to go to college in their family. And 
I think he's only going for a year, but let's see how the year goes. He could stay too. And by that time, LeBron may be ready to hang it up. You know, LeBron's still the best player on our team and he's 38 years old. So maybe he'll play till he's 45. Who knows? But I, I, to answer your question, I don't think people are connecting Bronny and LeBron on the Lakers as much as they are. Oh, Bronny's going to be at USC next year. It gives us something else to do. John, will you leave us with a great Kobe story? You took over, I believe, in what, 2011, 2012 as the radio voice? Yeah, it, um, I, I have, Jonathan, my, my answer to that would be, how long do you have? Okay. Um, he's my favorite player that I've ever covered. I started with the Lakers his first year. But here's one that, that I think, um, since I see you have the old Smokey back in the background, and, and you probably have some, uh, have some uh, drinks open somewhere in that building. Um, one year I'm playing, I'm, I was a sideline reporter that year and I had to stay late. We, we had locked up a playoff series in Houston. It was a Sunday afternoon game. And I came back to the uh, hotel after the game and the team had already gone back to the hotel. Cause I was standing there, you know, doing live shots. And I walk into the bar. It was one of those hotel bars. that's right in the middle of the lobby. And Kobe motions me over to where he is. And he says, Hey John, do you want a beer? And I said, Kobe, you don't need to buy me a beer. And he has this smirk on his face and he points down at his feet. And at his feet, I'm not exaggerating, boys, are, I counted them, are 18 opened beers. So bottles of beer that are open, but you can tell they're full. And I'm like, why would Kobe go into a bar and buy 18 full beers and put them on the floor? And while I'm standing there, some fan walks up to him and goes, hey, Kobe, you're my favorite player. I've always wanted to buy you a beer and hands him a full open beer. And then I realized what was going on, that everywhere he went, people were so touched by him that they felt like they had to do something. So they would buy him beers. And he said, I'll never drink all these. Give these all to the TV crew. So he was living a different life than all the rest of us. Everywhere he went, people were like, oh, my God, that's Kobe Bryant. I've got it. I've got to say, so here's another quick one. One time I was walking with him through a mall in Minnesota and some girl recognized him from behind the checkout counter and sprints out of the store into the mall where we're walking and takes a full header, lands on her nose, bloody nose, bloody mouth. Kobe and I walk over to her and go, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just always wanted a picture with Kobe Bryant. And I said, well, do you want to clean up and get the blood off your face before I take it? She goes, no, no, it'll make for a great story. So somewhere out there, there's a girl with a bloody face in a mall with a picture with Kobe that I took. But those are just two of about 200 stories I have for Kobe. Man, it, it, incredible. Yeah. And you're working for an organization that's legendary, as you well know. I'm sure it's, it, you soak that in every time, but it's, that's really cool. Uh, and John, it's very cool of you to join yeah, us on the game day. Yeah, great too. stuff. And John, my vow to you is that if you ever visit us here in Nashville, we will have 18 open beers, uh, courtesy of Yeehaw, right in front of you, yeah. waiting on you when you come down here. What, uh, anytime. Well, it's funny. It's funny. Shout out to my friend John Cochran, who used to work for Old Smoky Moonshine and sent me a case of it. In my, uh, It's in my garage, and uh, I have a party coming up. It's going to be a moonshine party, and we're basically having the party simply to empty the case of moonshine. So I see that sign behind you guys. You guys yeah. are in good hands. It's right over here, too, uh, the open bar. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. I bet. John, uh, thank you for the time, man. And uh, hopefully we can catch up as the playoffs progress because this has been a real treat. 
Yes, uh, anytime, boys. And, and again, apologies for hanging up on you. I meant to hang up on good. the Warriors. So maybe we can do that tonight. Hey, man, you called back. That's what we all remember. That's you right. called back. You got it. Appreciate it, man. All Thanks, right, man. John. John Ireland there. Uh, he was terrific. So the great Chick Hearn, and just thinking about like sitting in the seat, you know, and being well, the voice we, of the Los Angeles Lakers. If we get him back on, Hutton, the one question that I, I couldn't get to today that I want to ask about is if he watches Winning Time on HBO and oh. his and the Lakers organization thoughts yeah. on that show because I have I I have a feeling that they sort of hate watch it but love it, similar to Fox employees with the show Succession. That they know it's about them in a way, but they kind of hate watch it and love it well, at the same and time. Also, like it, that's that's the feel I get in the Fox building within the I White bet House. It's the same for win, winning like time. House of Cards within yeah. the White House. Remember, Obama oh, yeah. would say like it's more accurate than what people actually think based on some inside knowledge and the way they write that script. But the people that are at least uh, outwardly oh. that are the angriest about the depiction are Chick Hearn's family. Yeah. Which John Ireland would know a lot about, sure, and Jerry West family, and Jerry West himself about those being the most inaccurate depictions on the show. Got to get into that with him at some point, and I'm excited about Winning Time season two. I love it. See, it's when does that's that great off? entertainment this summer at some point. Okay, so after soon. the postseason, I think it's right around the NBA Finals. Okay, I think so I think it comes back in a couple June. months away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've got until like Fourth of July for it to come out. It's going to be great. Coming up when we come back. Primary complaint on Hot Mike. Bobby Carpenter will join us coming up in about 30 minutes. Clay Travis in roughly an hour and a half. Always a great Wednesday show. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Every Wednesday, Chad, we air our top grievance of the week. We've done this for... What, going on 13 years now? Many, many, many a moon. We have done this. We do it again today. It's time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's Primary Complaint. Guys, my primary complaint this week I don't hate the fact that I have to verify I'm human, especially if uh, the AI technology is so great that they can pretend to be me online. But with all the technology to prove that, we still have CAPTCHA, where you have to choose the squares, for instance, that feature a crosswalk. Click all squares with a crosswalk, which I've done, and I took a screenshot of. Chad, just for those listening, do you see any other squares where you would click for crosswalk possibilities here no okay. not in this picture that you're showing this is also one of the more confusing mosaics i've ever it seen on is. one of these well, questionnaires this, yeah so i hit verify and i was denied i was apparently not human so they had me do this again please click on any square that features cars and so on purpose i click on three instead of four because at the bottom middle there's clearly two cars in the photo i hit verify and i get in so apparently ai you know can pretend to be me and not know which all squares are cars. And it's just a big waste of time. And all I wanted to do was simply try to purchase something uh, for uh, Duke and Melissa Turnbow. Shout out to them who have been great to me. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint, I like to expand my horizons. I like to learn new things. So I'm in New York City this past weekend. Good job, Hutton and Charlie and Davey and 
everyone in studio for filling in while I was out doing a great job. Um, I learned about a maitre d' tip at a restaurant. Oh, yes. I've seen these before. Typically, they're reserved for huge parties that you'll have a maitre d' tip if you're with a big group mm-hmm. and you go to a nice restaurant. Uh, it was a party of two, me and my wife, at an Italian restaurant in a restaurant that on Thursday night in the theater district had three other tables in the whole place. That was it. The maitre d's work was I made a reservation online that he had nothing to do with. I walked in, very friendly gentleman, asked how we were doing, who we were, told him we had a reservation, said my last name was Withrow. They sat me down. He was very pleasant. That was it. That was the extent of our entire interaction. So then I get the bill at the end of the night, and I see all the food and drink that we consumed. I see the spot for the traditional tip for the waiter and the staff. Then I see a separate spot for maitre d' tip. I didn't Google it. I just decided to say, I guess $10 is okay. Sure enough, 10 to $15 for a party of two is an acceptable maitre d' tip. I want to learn about these things, though, when the maitre d' does a little bit more work to earn that tip as opposed to what went down in New York City last Thursday night. This is my primary complaint. I'm so uncultured, I haven't heard maitre d' until today, Chad. So I haven't heard it much. What? You're not You've that never far heard behind it, me. No. It's very rare that I've seen it, though. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't know. I have to do some research. There you go. All right. I, I, I was, first, I was thinking, like, you're going to go into this, and it's going to be like, ah, oh, it's like the tip's like $100. Like, uh, this just means no concept to me. But anyway, guys, my primary complaint has to do with the current rider strike for the Riders yes. um, Guild of America or whatever the hell they call themselves. So... <laughs> My biggest thing is they've already announced that Stranger Things season five will be postponed because of this. And I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, I had to wait three years just because of COVID to finally get season four. So now this on top of that wait just extends this more. And like, we're dealing with kids that started when they were probably around 12. So these, they're going to be like 23 by the time this happens. And the fact they're trying to make it to where they all stay within high school, just, it doesn't make sense. I'm battling through it. I mean, it's times like these where I often just say to myself, you know, Davey, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. So I'm going to power through. We're going to make it, but it is frustrating. Hopefully uh, we, we get through this. I don't know. I just don't want to repeat a 2007. That was just too long on that rider strike. I, I hate the rider strike. I'm with Davey on this. It bothers me. Uh, another thing that I, I didn't even think about, I listened to a podcast with Bill Hader, yeah. a star of Barry where he talks with a podcaster every week about the latest episode of the final season, Bill Hader has stopped going on the podcast to show unity with his writers on it, that he's not even going to talk about it anymore. And I'm thinking just another thing that the writer strike has robbed me of. I, I, I think I, I know I was shocked. I was shocked at how many shows have writers, the view, they went on and them, discussed that they no longer have writers and they're going to be now thinking for themselves instead of reading off a teleprompter. Well, on top of that... One thing I'm not going to do is read off a teleprompter on this show. Yeah, thankfully, we're not affected by the writer's strike. It, right. It, it doesn't hurt us, but just to give more... I'm going to have someone else tell me what to say. Yeah. More insight. It's not just like, oh, they write the script, they're done. Like, they're, they're in production and, like, the script's already written, but they'll obviously make tweaks and go here and there and change it. And so, because of that, they're just shutting down production completely. But don't you hire personalities yeah, well, to, there was, to there, have them, like, on that show, The View, they... I, don't, I just don't understand why they're... Yeah, you just hire them to... I think, For those who don't know, we have writers, and from here on out, we're, we, we don't know what we're doing. Here, I'm know? being so silly. I thought you hired talent to be talent. Yeah. 
<laughs> not have someone right. feeding them lines the entire time. Crazy world that I grew up in. Um, I, there was another show, though, Davey, where they stopped because rewrites are a pot, part of it. They've written the season and they won't air it because the creator said, no, we rewrite the episodes as they go. And now we can't because the writer's strike. It's insane. They're taking uh, everything from us, Hutton. Everything. Davey is on a dating app, and we need to send him to a restaurant with a maitre d'. Headlines next, including the NFL schedule release.